Should we be surprised? Should we be surprised at this result that Liv? No. The competition is not as strong week to week on Liv as it is on the PGA Tour. So it doesn't surprise me that they weren't given the points. What is up, everybody? How you living? No putts given. We're back. Live and let die. I just started reading it. It's right there. It's a book. Tony, read any books lately? No, no, but I have heard about that one. <laughs> you haven't read any books lately? That's, I, uh, that's a damn shame. I was talking with Max Adler from Golf Digest a week or two back, and he was in the process of reading it as well. Oh. So seems to be the hot book. It is a... In golfs. A hot book, and speaking of hot things, topics that are percolating. Like I said, we had Lexi playing the Shriners last week. Almost made the cut. I mean, she was on the cut line, inside the cut line. And obviously ended up just outside the cut line. What's your quick takeaway? You, do you, you know, we talked about it last week, but quick takeaways. Quick quick response to that. If you ain't first, you're last. Ricky Bobby. But <laughs> that's it. I mean, you know, things got a little out of hand for her day two there. But, I mean, you had to go low. I mean, you needed... Four rounds in the 60s to be competitive and mm-hmm. to be near the top of the leaderboard. One of those rounds had to be in the really low 60s. Yeah. So, you know, a couple shots here or there and she's playing on the weekend. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I, I think no doubt it's absolutely impressive. I go back. I'll double down on my comments and, and kind of things before, which is I don't think that this is what women's golf needs right now. I think... You know, when Annika did it, it was like almost a sense, kind of the Billie Jean King thing too. Like, man, playing so far above the level of their current competition, what might it look like if they were challenged, let's say, in this type of environment? Just kind of where would it land? And as impressive as Lexi's play was in, in a lot of different arenas, and she's probably one of a few female golfers that could, you know, in this type of setup compete because she does have kind of requisite length off the tee. She didn't make the cut. She didn't contend in these things. And so it's like, is this really the opportunity we're going to trot out in front of the best female players is, Hey, you have an opportunity to play in an event where it's highly unlikely you're going to make a cut and we're just going to, throw a lot of pressure on you and hey just kind of see how you respond and get a couple extra clicks and ticket sales from it like is that really the best way to promote women's i mean it's the 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 issue is it's it's always a one-off situation right the sample size is always one so right i don't know i mean golf is a game where if you can compete off the tee distance wise we know there's a correlation there sure but if you've got a woman who can hold up, there's there's absolutely no reason through the rest of the bag why a women, woman's game can't be as strong as, as a man's, right? It's not it's not strictly a power sport. It's right. Got to chip once it, you get it. off the tee, right? Sure. You got to chip. You got to putt. You got to have accuracy with your irons. But the issue it's it's sample size of one, and it's always a sample size of one when this right. has happened, right? It's Annika. Let's try this one time. And we'll we'll wait a few years and we'll try it again with Michelle Wee. Right. And then let's wait what a decade plus, whatever it's been, let's try it again with mm-hmm. Lexi. And so, 
you know, out of curiosity, I'd love to see what would happen if she was out there week after week. Could she right. move up? Could she yeah. move down? Yeah. Somebody's going to say, well, she's, you know, she hasn't been great on the LPGA this year. Which is fair. Off year, but and she was one of the best in the world, probably still is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, but I, I think you're right. There's probably better ways to showcase the women's game. And lest we forget, it was Tom Kim back to back at horses for courses, you know, these type of things. He, uh, Tom Kim, did when it's always nice that sometimes we'll look and say, hey, what's not in the bag? If there's something interesting there, there wasn't. Tom Kim's title is top to bottom, so you saw everything you expected to see. I don't know, and that's the other thing, too. If it was just about any other company, we'd have gotten a press release detailing every piece of equipment. Sure. Titleist typically doesn't do that when their guys win anyway, so... Yeah, well, I don't I don't know. I don't want to say either way, but... I was probably too busy reading his post where he said that he was very excited to get back to his hotel room and eat chocolate. He wanted to finish some chocolate. He's 21, he's in... Las Vegas, and God bless him, he wants to get back to his home, uh, hotel room and eat chocolate, which I appreciate. Also last week, No Soup for You, one of the better Seinfeld episodes ever, but that's effectively what the official World Golf Ranking said to live golf after you know almost a year and a half of consideration, uh, that they will not be welcomed into or included in the official world rankings for golf, that entire point system, etc. What do we make of this, Tony? I mean, this I was is wrong, this, by the way. Tom Kim does oh, have a deal. So Tom Kim I does have a deal. That. Yeah. Well, 14 yeah. club deal, good, because I have a question about that later. So clarifying that, but should we My be surprised? I don't know what I saw. Should we be surprised at this result that Liz? No. No. Why? I mean, and I think, if anything, they've kind of laid out a roadmap now because – that was sort of, you kind of felt like maybe maybe it wasn't clear what Liv could do about the lack of points problem. And here, uh-huh. OWGR has kind of laid out what you need to do. They've acknowledged that, all right, yeah, all right, so it's a, it's a smaller field and you only play three days. Right. But we can, we can math our way through that. Uh, so uh-huh. that's pretty clear. And I think... If that were like let's let's put the rest of it off on the side. If that were the bit. only, yeah. If if they did say yeah, here's here's the math we're gonna like the live guys aren't gonna like it because it absolutely has to reflect reflect the fact that let's be honest the talent pool on live is not as deep. Sure, the competition is not as strong week to week on live as it is on the PGA Tour. I know somebody's gonna argue that, but they're full of crap. If you think about this rationally, we I think everybody knows that that is reality. And you're only playing for three days, so you're you're starting at seventy five percent of your potential points, and then you've got the reduced field on top of it. So mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like we're, we're going to give you some points, but we're we're probably not going to give you everything you need to really rise in the world rankings. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, I don't know how much it would get them, even if they could resolve the issue. And the, the other issue being, hey, there's no real way to to play your way on or well, play your way off. Although it does seem, I just saw today, right? A couple, two, three guys got booted. Uh-huh. Uh, Relegated. They, they, they played their way off, but you don't really play your way on. You That's, sort of just, you know, you you take your money and you come play. So it's, hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know what you call that process. But yeah, so... So it doesn't surprise me that they weren't given the points. It it is almost surprising that there is a roadmap, and you know it is what it is. I think it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. 
ultimately i don't care i mean it's, <laughs> well it's right it's, it's, it's i'm not i i don't i don't watch the the serious tour i'm not going to watch the exhibition one so <laughs> i mean and, and still right 99 percent of golf is to me what i do you know in terms of playing with my buddies and you played this tee it forward campaign tournament and whatever that's still golf right that is still how go- people fun. play and that's enjoy fun. golf and so this stuff it's you know it's interesting to discuss and talk about but I, the one thing I do wonder is, or I guess two points is, I think there was a pretty extreme amount of hubris going in, kind of this like, hey, we'll just kind of bend the will of the rulemaking bodies to our product and who we are and what we do. And I wonder how much, uh, you know, players, how, how much of those conversations were kind of under that selling you a bill of goods kind of proposal like, Hey, no, this is going to work out. Da, 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 you know? And now it's like, well, it's not, it it isn't working out. It is working out for the players that have say lifetime exemptions into certain major tournaments or long-term exemptions into other tournaments. And you have two of the four majors, right. That are still open. And if you are one of the best players in the world, then you should have no issue with an open opportunity to compete and earn your way into something. So for those players, doesn't really change anything, but now, you know, it's like, well, sorry. And people will argue, right. That the job of the world rankings is to, it's, it's absurd though, because the, the OWRGR, their, their system is in place. It is well-designed. Right. You know what the qualifications are, right? Every, it's, yeah. It's not like this dark secret. Like it's it's pretty no. well spelled out how you can agree that all right, maybe the formulas aren't perfect and they miss some things sure. here and there. That's fine, right? There are there are very few perfect systems that exist anywhere in the world. Correct. But you knew what you, you had. You knew what and it so was this going idea, in. That's the hubris part. Right. Of you, like, you, this idea that we're going to have this new tour that is unlike any other tour, and that's that's the point, right? Was to be different. It was basically two points. One. Sure. We need to wash Saudi Arabia's balls, right. so we've got to we've got to be the ball washer for Saudi Arabia. Right. And two, we need to be fundamentally different so that the story isn't just a competitive t- tour; it's an entirely different format. Sure. It's golf, but louder. It's exciting, right? Right. And so you have this whole idea where we're going to do things differently. That is the point. We're going to be different. Mm-hmm. And you expect a well-established organization just to go, "Oh well, you're doing it different, and we're just going to bow to your will. We're going to come along." Right. We, we don't, yeah, we're, we're totally on board with your, like, it doesn't work like that. The world has never worked like that. You can't expect to come in. There's no situation I can go into and say, hey, look, I know you've been doing things a while. You have an established <clears throat> right. process, but you need to change just for me because I need to be different to succeed. So, you know, if you could just adapt to my needs, I would really right. appreciate that. The guy that expects you to do that, he's a dick. So this, this <laughs> right. whole thing, it's just, it's a whole, it's a dick idea that, that the OWGR would just be like, well, okay, we'll do it your way. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's the kid. It's the kid that is 40 knows that they're 46 inches tall, walks up to the roller coaster. That's 48 I'm inches. I'm going to ride this ride. You know, it's 48. They walk up and like, Hey, rules don't apply to me. Uh, can we have a conversation I'm, here? I'm very important. So I need two inches. I need I need to be gifted two inches because I'm important. Yeah, exactly. No. Well, you know, okay. trends in the world last week. Uh, we saw this TaylorMade P770 Phantom, which is a term that we often associate with 
maybe Scotty Cameron putters or things that lurk in the dark or Rolls Royces. I mean, a lot of things. But first of all, just really quick, what is it? I don't think that will take us long to describe, right? Because it's the same thing that we tend to see. But what is this release? It's P770. Okay. With black PVD on it and a black KBS shaft. There and you go. we're done here. Thanks for playing. Yeah. So it's an aesthetics package. It's a yeah, I mean, this is package. We've seen this. Everybody does this every year. And sometimes... Sometimes the finish changes. I think mm-hmm. Titleist, for example, in the last time around went from a black PVD to a, a smoky kind of more durable thing. And that's what you hope to see is mix it up a little bit, ideally improve it. But, yep. I mean, you know you know when the irons come out. Like, hey, P790, the new ones came out not too long ago. Uh-huh. And when are we going to get the black ones? About a year from now, give or take, we'll be talking about mm-hmm. the black so, so is this so played out, know. though, this kind of thing, where it's like, hey, we got – I mean, and like you said, this is not a company-specific thing. Everybody no. – yeah, or do you they're... look forward to this? No. I, I don't know that I look forward to it. Um, and there are certainly between categories, there are different way to do it. First of all, almost nobody has a, a two year cycle on a driver right now. That may change, you know, it'd be interesting. What if, what if Titleist, for example, did something cool in year two of you know, TS, whatever comes next kind of thing. If it's um, TS something, but, but there's only when the iron category in particular, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do. It's not like a golf ball where you can do, you know, I, I mean, I guess you can loosely argue this is a Halloween Halloween themed release, like Taylor May did with golf balls and Callaway did with golf balls. Right. But you can't you, you can't adapt to. Yeah. You're not going to have Fourth of July P770s and Halloween 77 sure. and Christmas, yeah. right? Right. You, you don't have the same ability just to print as you do on a golf ball. It's not even like a wedge release, for example, where where Vokey tries to keep it fresh with wedge works and hey all right we're gonna we don't call it a special edition masters but we're gonna roll out we know you're gonna get kind of this high lofted low bounce thing that comes mm-hmm. out around augusta get about you're gonna roll a bunch some, of 17 new degree grinds. two irons coming yeah. out in the middle of the summer with, with exactly the open so you, you can do that kind of yeah. thing but with i think i think it's a trade-off which would you rather have as a golfer would you would you rather know that whoop, uh oh, that Adam is calling. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> Hi, Adam. Would you rather know? Would you rather know that irons are are going to come out in black, and you you know if you wait a year, you'll have that choice, right? Or or would you? And and knowing that that's the trade for the extended release cycle, right? Like right. I'm, right. These have a two to three year runway instead of what mm-hmm. it used to be one year. Pretty for a lot of a lot of different categories. So. If the trade-off knowing that, hey, we're going to keep these on the shelf for two, maybe even three years is somewhere in the middle of that cycle, we're going to roll out a black one. Mm-hmm. That's a good trade. I like it. Yeah. So, I'm, I, yeah, keep keep going. Keep doing it. Is there it. anything else you would want to see? Like, if they didn't – if black became not the thing anymore, which, again, for the record, I like the black releases. I like – Can I say blue? I mean, you know, it's just – I mean, you can't. Mix it up. Mizuno's done blue. We've seen copper. We've seen things like that. So, it's – you know, hey, it's but it's all just about with an iron. It's just about changing the colors. There you go. Yeah, right? I, so blue, yeah. blue Mizunos. You can do that. Yeah. And that, so that's, I mean, I, like I said, irons are limited. I love what Titleist does with Wedgeworks, where it rolls out grinds. Although 
quite frankly, I wish you could just get any grind whenever you wanted it as a, <laughs> as a consumer, as a golfer. Why wouldn't I feel you like want that? That that's sounds the better amazing. option. But, that sounds amazing. But in, yeah, but in the interest of keeping it fresh, that's cool. And I love, again, I mentioned TaylorMade and Callaway with the, you know, every month or two, there's a limited edition or new pattern on a golf ball. Mm-hmm. So little things like that to keep it fresh. I'm, I'm good with all of it. Yeah, I like sure. it. And the well, reason I like it is one, I don't find as many people that are just ambivalent. Like people tend to either, oh, I like the dark irons. I like black, you know, even though they're going to wear and you know, they're going to wear and show wear differently and show wear quicker just in general than, you know, typically a chrome or, or satin uh, iron. But I don't find a lot of people like, I like them both equally. So if you want to buy it right out of the gate, it's like, oh, this is awesome. And if you know, hey, maybe around a year after release, there might be something like this. Go ahead. You can wait for that. Or the companies would love it if you would do this. Trade in your first generation of those irons and get the new limited release irons and go from there. So speaking of which, we got new products. We got new things that did come out. Let's talk about those really quickly. Mizuno irons. Let's go right into that because these are ones that uh, personally I wait for and I get a little bit excited about them have historically. So what's new, Tony? What do we got? We got new Mizuno Pro, which is, you know, formerly MP. Formerly MP. That's where it came from. It was Mizuno Pro. And so, yeah, that's what we've got. Three new irons. Exciting, right? Uh, and it's it's pretty typical. Kind of follows the recent cadence. You got sure. a, a little bitty blade. Mm-hmm. Two, two, one. And, and it's, yeah, it seems like the, the story here is like everything's just a little bit smaller. A little That's more better. player-centric in appearances. So you got a little blade and you've got a smaller version of the cavity back in the 243. Did I get that right? And then the 245, your hollow body player's distance iron again a little more compact better feel is always kind of an emphasis there and it's it's kind of everything you would expect from mizuno pro not much not to like if you're a mizuno fan sure and 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 one of the things mizuno has habitually done really well and it's it's true of the mizuno pro series it's true of jpx is to build forgiveness and everything's relative you're never going to have a an uber forgiving compact muscle back that doesn't exist right Right. But you can have a compact muscle back that's more forgiving than another compact muscle back. And that's that's kind of where Mizuno has is always at least quietly emphasized. We always talk about feel, right? Sure. Nothing feels like a Mizuno got to look that's great, they say. feel great. But it's this idea of we're going to build you as forgiving a golf club as we possibly can in a more compact shape than you would probably find with any of our competitors. It's mm-hmm. kind of the Mizuno philosophy. So, yeah. It's not going to have a blade length like a ping does, for example. Yeah. These are, yeah. We're going to keep it small. We're going to put as much forgiveness as, as we can in this little package. And, and we know that that's kind of something that, that has a lot of appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like... As a guy playing T350s. As a guy, yeah, <laughs> right? I, I like, uh, you know, with the, with the MP, like you said, historically, MP line had kind of been the players-ish line, if you will. And JPX was more of the game improvement sphere. And now those things have been kind of redefined. But what I like is that Mizuno seems to have more of a sense of the purpose of the MP models this time around. And I guess what I mean by that 
is if you go back to like um, like the MP18s, you know, which I know are a couple generations old, but like the SC and the MB in that MP18 series were so close performance wise, they one kind of cannibalized the other. It's like there really wasn't a reason to go with the MB over the SC or vice versa, you know? So I think this time around, they it's even more meaningfully, you know, kind of meaningfully distinct within there. So it's like, hey, if you want a muscle back, and this is what that muscle back does, you're not going to see a huge amount of overlap between that and the 243, right? The cavity back. And the cavity back, you're not going to see a huge amount of overlap between that and then um, obviously the 245. Right, as kind of the players better differentiation for I mean they've they kind of figured that piece out. Yeah, we'll go maybe a little place. A little more built again to be we talk about blended sets, mixed sets, combo sets, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Built to be seamlessly mixed and match. You can throw some JPX in the mix if you want to. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of designed to work as a an entire Mizuno offering. And we'll go into kind of more details in the after show if you want to stick around for that talking MP stuff, Mizuno irons in general those type of things, but also just a couple of pictures that popped up here on, you know, kind of the, the tour stuff. I saw a, a little AI terminology being placed on some Odyssey putters that look new. My question is this, we don't know much about the putters. Yeah. I think there's an event that maybe you're headed to in a while. Is that right? Uh, what's today? Yeah, about two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. So yeah, two weeks, two you're going to go learn about things, but Going to Frisco, baby. Frisco, Texas. Texas, not San oh. Fran. Well, get some Frisco. good... Uh... San Fran Frisco. <laughs> San Fran Frisco. What could AI do in a putter? I mean, so if uh, these, this is clear, is. right? I mean, you got AI as kind of the, the a moniker on there. My question is, if it is still in kind of this face design application that we've seen it before, what is you're sitting there thinking, okay, how might they use this? Any ideas on what you could do with AI on the, on the face. I of think, I mean, I would expect it's going to be kind of similar stories that we've heard from others, albeit without AI, this idea of like, Hey, we can, we can correct for, for slightly open, slightly closed faces at impact. We can provide consistent roll all over the face, maintain consistent speed all over the face. So I would, you know, I think it's, it, it's all going to fall under consistency. And I guess that's what you would expect with a putter, right? You're not you're not trying to get, uh, you're not trying to jailbreak your ball speed and, and find a way to get three more miles an hour inside the USGA limits and things like that. So, right. yeah, I would I would expect a, a consistency story of some kind. Yeah, of every kind. Yeah, all the kinds. hopefully it'd be interesting. I mean, we know Odyssey putters are ubiquitous out on all the tours of the world, and it is a uh, a lot of it's an Odyssey world out there with some other putter makers kind of living in it so they've had you know a long history of of dominance in some areas and, and certainly high level tour usage and so yeah be interesting to see how they are leaning into the ai with that also saw a couple couple shafts out there for those of you that are following in the shaft space jwall uh over at golf.com posted some of these but we had seen a, a new whiteboard model coming out from mitsubishi Saw something called potentially a, it's probably an internal name, but Nautilus Neo Fujikura. Seeing some things out there. The whiteboard is interesting because fundamentally 
that profile hasn't changed a whole lot. It's kind of the, uh, it's been a variation on that profile. I mean, goodness, Graphite Design created an entire company around basically one shaft profile. Um, but the whiteboard is there. It's still there. Lower launch, probably lower spin, updated materials. And that's usually what it is, right? We just tweak the materials, tweak the profile here and there, but... But if you're a low launch, low spin person and you used to be that whiteboard, blue board person, you're like, oh yeah, whiteboard in my driver, blue board in my, you know, fairway woods or whatever. New whiteboard potentially coming out there. The Nautilus Neo, no idea on what this uh, thing is. I have a guess. If you had to I guess, mean, we Tony, are, if you had to guess, a couple, I mean, we're what, two, two years deep on TR now, right? So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Could be time for third generation Ventus, a Neo Ventus, but I have no idea. And and that's that's the other thing, too. Like, you you almost forget that Fujikura has other Metalwood shafts. You just feel like, at some point, you almost find yourself like, why? Just, Mm -hmm. it's a Ventus world. You created it. Why not live in it? Uh Uh-huh. Who knows? What do you think? I don't know. Could be, uh, yeah. So, you know, whether it's Ventus, Ventus TR, you've built out that. Is this a Motore replacement? Something in there? You know, where they get a, a decent amount of usage uh, tours. Again, maybe not as much on the PJ tour, but certainly around and on other tours. So maybe something there. It could be a new speeder profile, possibly. Um, I. Yeah, we'll see. Those are those are kind of the two uh, most obvious avenues to me. Maybe it's something like crazy and it's like counterbalance only for 46-inch shafts or something or for longer drivers. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a very specific use case. Like Maybe it's Autoflex. Fuji's Autoflex. Are we still – is that still a thing? Fuji, still I don't Autoflex? know. I, I don't know. They – I don't know though. Could be. Uh, we have great opportunity out there, people. Check it out. We have a white box testing opportunity prototype. This is coming. This is coming. We're a, a day later than we expected, oh. I believe. So this will drop Thursday, which will be tomorrow. If you're watching this, the first day it releases. Hold on. Hold on. Check. Yeah. Oh, Tony will be right back. But while he's doing that, this is a uh, white box testing opportunity. Unlike, uh, I can't really think if we've done anything quite like this before, but um, unreleased Titleist Golf Ball. And they want feedback. And so with that feedback, we are selecting testers to basically do that. Test the balls. Give us your feedback. Um, We are not sharing any details about this ball or anything like that. We just want to know, what do you think? How does it play? What performance characteristics do you notice? And so um, I think we're going to have up to 100 testers if I'm not mistaken question mark looks looks a lot like a, a question mark there tony what do we got what do we got? i don't know it's I white know. box that's the fun part so yeah check oh. that out apply uh, and then you just like you open up the white box and there's golf there's balls. more white boxes i got um they sent me a dozen these are actually okay. pretty sure these are a different white box than than what we're talking about here but mm-hmm. you know if you if you're interested in in testing out the same ones I got. Yeah. Uh, these are number 16s, by the way, oh, um, to okay. help you identify them. 
Okay. I left two of them on the course of my regular leagues over the oh, weekend. Hey, that's uh, not bad, Tony. It's not bad. Two yeah. balls lost in the round. I mean, I'll take well, that. I after a while I kind of dialed it back. So <laughs> anyway, check that out. Yes. Apply. The driver's not working right. It's now. gonna be a really cool, uh, a really cool test. I'm super excited to see. What White box. Knows. White box testing. I love that. All right, Tony, get your running shoes on. It is treadmill time. Speed golf. Here we go. Tom Kim made me think of this because he's titleist throughout the bag. 14 club contracts or a player playing all 14 clubs in their bag from one manufacturer. Are we going to see more of these or, or, or less no, of these no, no, it's, moving it's, forward? I think for most, that's probably a bad idea. And a lot of guys like to have that freedom to have a couple, two, three that aren't, uh, contractually mandated so i yeah i i think it's i think we're seeing less of it than we used to mm-hmm. and i yeah i don't think we'll see a lot of it yeah more an anomaly i think 10 and 11 club contracts are going to continue to dominate i think maybe even fewer you know we see people like luke list one uh week before and i believe he's irons only with uh, with PXG, or at least that's the the hat, which is is what they want. But irons in there, and everything else was uh, other brands. So we'll see. Last week flew out to Goat Hill. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Goat Hill Park. It's amazing. It's an awesome place. Did a thirty shot challenge with Matt Fryer. Matt Fryer Golf. He's on the YouTube's. So thirty shot challenge works like this: Tony, you tee off and you play as many holes as you can, and you have to stop once you hit your thirtieth shot. What hole, so I'll give you a little little background. We played the back nine at Goat Hill. Um, Matt had never seen the back nine. I had never seen the back nine. So I think when we were out there, we you know we played the front nine and some of that. So I'd never seen the back nine. What hole do you think I finished on? What did I get to? You say seven? seven. Yeah. Appreciate your optimism, Tony. I love that. What hole do you think Matt Fryer got to? Now, again, he's former pro. He's like a plus two, plus threes, a better golfer than I am by a couple strokes. What do you think he got to? Let's see. By the way, nobody's ever completed it. Uh, there's been a couple guys that had a putt for 31. Um, and again, course, difficulty, all those things come into play here. But nobody's nobody's finished the 30. I'm saying he got one more than you. You're correct about that. He did get one more than me, but I actually got to my putt on eight. I so was eight putting. nine. He I was on eight. He got, got to nine. T. I would. I was proud of myself, Tony. I felt. I felt darn. I think good. I, the way I'm playing, I might have got four in. <laughs> quick, a quick thirty shot chow. Hey, it can. Go. I'm, I'm telling you. So <laughs> it turns out, like the sh- the the forward T shamble yeah. ideal for me because I am not. I'm not accountable for my own drive. I just go play the better one. It's, it's great. What a concept. Anyway. I love that. I love uh, yeah. Saw yeah. some of these watches out there. $3,000 I'm seeing for some of these watches. We profiled one of them, the Garmin. There's a Garmin Carbon Edition uh, GPS. There's the Tag Heuer collection that we uh, profiled yeah, before. I... Again, can't call them watches, Tony. We have to call them what? Fine timepieces. They're timepieces. If you're spending that much, it's not a watch. They are fine timepieces. They're pieces, fine time timepieces. Like I think timepiece starts at like fifteen hundred. That's what it is. And once you cross three thousand, you are you are into fine timepiece. All right. So, so 
Are you going to buy one of these? Are you a, are you a, is this your I mean, I barely, I begrudgingly wear uh, this Apple watch. Like I'm just not a watch guy anyway. My brother-in-law is like a huge watch guy. He has like, he has like a special box that winds them and and those things like that. So he's, he's totally into this stuff. I, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily feel any need to accessorize. Uh, so yeah, the the BFM for for GPS technology works for me. I don't need fancy. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Interesting though. I I'd love to hear from people out there that this is your avenue because it's not it's not mine. I'm not as much of a fine timepiece guy either. But if you are that person, does it have a calculator? <laughs> yeah, I remember the old Casios. Love that. Yeah, uh, but if that's you, better. Let us know. I'd love to know people that are in like what where is that for you? Why does that? Why is that attractive to you? Zero judgment. Because like I said, price is all relative on all these things. But I would just love to know people that that is what somebody's your fancy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somebody. So I just want to know what it is. Like what what intrigues you about a GPS watch, whether it's tag or like you said, you have Garmin. Maybe there's others that will get into that space. What is it that attracts you there? Anyway, last one. We had a post. Uh, we've kind of done some of these things like, hey, if you had to play one golf ball the rest of your life, if you had to eat, you know, one breakfast food the rest of your life, those type of ideas. And we said, hey, if you had to play one driver for the rest of your life, ping was the number one answer. That surprised me. Did that surprise you? No, I think it's the right answer. I mean... It's it's tough, and I know certain guys, right? You just kind of show the brand. I, I know loyal tailor-made guys and loyal mm-hmm. Callaway guys and loyal insert brand name here guys. But sure, I mean, especially when we talk about the guys who buy off the rack and mistake avoidance, right? How to mm-hmm. how to all but guarantee you never end up with a terrible driver for you? Yeah, like I'd say. <laughs> If you're going in blind, if you're not going to get properly fit, I would tell you to take your chances with ping all day, every day. So, yeah, you know, that's that's me is the I, I don't know that they'll put it on any advertising campaign. But in terms of drivers, <laughs> I feel like ping is the safest brand in golf. Like you're not going to you're not going to tilt to one extreme or another or anything like that. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, and, and and for the record, other companies, brands, you know, if, if Ping was at roughly 30%, I think something close to that, you know, 25%, 26% were the next couple, which, like you said, it makes sense. People get in an ecosystem like anything else. Oh, I'm a, I'm a TaylorMade guy. I'm a Callaway guy. I'm a Titles guy, you know, whatever the case is. And and that's what those companies, every company, right, tries to do to agree is create brand loyalty. They want people to come back to that. But yeah, I said, you know, if you're a point and shoot person and you're, you know, treating it kind of like lottery tickets, if you will, I bet ping lottery tickets would pay out better than almost anybody else. You know, if you're if you're just going up there and buying one, say, hey, yep, all right, G430 Max, boom, that thing is going to fit a lot of people, and you're probably not going to get too sideways with it. Hell, even if you bought the SFT, there's probably more people that could do with an SFT than probably even think. It's like, oh, yep, here you go. Go play this. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they certainly uh, certainly have that. So there you go, Tony. Yeah. couple questions. couple questions. I love it. That's the main show. But in the after show, we are going to talk Mizuno Irons because uh, we got to dive in a little bit deeper. So stick around for that. As always, comments, questions, find us on the interwebs. 
Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C. Find us all over the place. And until then, we'll be right back. Things Our dogs are running amok as they want to do from, from time to time. So Mizuno, Mizuno Irons. Like I said, I, you know, I played Mizuno Irons for a long time going back to like the MX-23. JPXEZ. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the orange irons that Mizuno just would prefer what, we never yeah. talk about ever, ever again. No, those, and, those were, those, yeah, those were the gateway for a lot of people. <laughs> eh, boy, to a different brand, to a different brand, yeah. But I remember, yeah, JPXEZs played the MP. Hey, what are you doing? Stop it! Uh, you know, and you have this lineage. And the reason I mention this is nothing feels like Mizuno. The history. The original relationship with Chuo, which you got to visit, um, which is the forging house that they still have kind of, I think, one of the coolest things in golf, which is basically a handshake agreement to do business together. There's nothing on paper. It's um, it's it's kind of that type of an agreement. But if you played a single piece forged iron, and this is not true only for Mizuno, but others... So MP33s, right? You have MP60s. We can go through the whole lineup. MP62s, 32s, so on and so forth. It was a precision play, not a distance play. And things are changing, right? They're talking about kind of tech-advanced forging. Um, Is that reasonable, do you think, Tony, to expect from... Oh, buddy. I think I just oh, accidentally boy, rolled over my dog. Well, that'll teach him some kind of lesson. <laughs> yeah, it might. It might. Sorry, buddy. Is that reasonable? I, think, I mean, it's, it's, I think maybe you can, you can expect evolution, new materials, new design strategies, maybe get a faster single piece forging, but the idea that, you know, I, I don't know that you're going to get to, kind of that multi-piece hollow body type ball speed, but you can improve, you can get better. And the, the good news is, right, the guy who is who's looking at these MP241s and thinking, yeah, or Mizuno Pro 241, right, thinking, right. I'm going to get these. Right. I want these. He, he's not looking at it going, I'm going to get them because they're going to give me filthy distance. It's, no, it's the no. control and the aesthetics. And so it's it's, like I said, about trying to get a little more than than you would expect out of out of what you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's kind of go through the lineup too. Again, we, we mentioned these. So you, you got two forty ones, which are the muscle backs. You have the two forty threes, which I don't. Know, let's call them kind of the the not players distance because I think that's the two forty five still. But the two forty three is a player's cavity back uh, iron, and the two forty fives is a player's distance model i for one am glad to see that they're they've continued on with this copper underlay i know it's maybe lost on some people or um but it was gone for a long time i mean they had it like with the tn87s and you know it used to be a thing that that mizuno had several decades ago they 
got rid of it, right? Because it's expensive to do a, another layer of something that people never saw or maybe didn't appreciate, but then brought it back a couple generations ago, I think with the MP20s. And yeah, this will be third generation MP copper. And obviously they kind of rolled it into JPX. And it's, it's something that you see at times in, I guess, if you will, more expensive forgings in different Japanese uh, companies where they'll do, it could be, I mean, it's not always a copper underlay, but basically you have a, you know, you got a raw, this isn't raw, but this is a finished head, but you know, you have a raw head and then typically it's finished in some type of a chrome or satin finish that's plated on, right? And in between that plated finish and the raw head, sometimes there's small layers of things that impact feel. It could be a layer of nickel. It could be a layer of copper. It could be something else entirely, but... That's part of adds steps to the process, adds cost to the process. Um, so again, we have this feature continuing on in the line, which I'm excited to see. That's that's one of my favorite pieces of this particular uh, rollout. And I don't know. What are your thoughts, Tony? What else? Yeah, I mean, that's I'm intrigued by the the middle one there, the 243, and that's usually the one that I'm least intrigued by, but it gives me just looking at it like I get like MP25 vibes. Oh, okay. A little bit. So that okay. was that was one that you know we I think you know, a lot of our readers love tested really well for us mm-hmm. way back in the day. That's how far it, it seems like forever ago. So it does that one intrigues me? And again, I mean, you know if. If you kind of look at where Mizuno has been in the player's distance category, the, what is now the 245, they've they've been strong performers when we look at the totality of things. Like, oh, yeah, the guys are – they hit them really straight. They're accurate. They tend to be a little more forgiving than most on the player's side mm-hmm. of that category, but they haven't held up for distance, right? They've always been – Maybe a half uh, step behind. Traditionally there, right? one of the shortest in the category, and so yep. – I'm intrigued there to say, all right, a lot of talk about distance here, mm-hmm. but but can we deliver? Do we have something? I'm not expecting you know to compete with like a P790 or, or something that's like truly engineered for distance first. Mm-hmm. But if you could you could pick up a couple two three yards, that would be intriguing for sure. Well, and yeah, like we said, kind of the the thought process it seems like or kind of the guiding design philosophies throughout this line was. Take the existing MP line or Mizuno Pro line and make the clubs slightly, I mean, anything we can do, right? We're talking millimeters here, but can we make the top line ever so slightly thinner? Can we make the heel to toe footprint slightly more compact? But can we give people slightly more ball speed and more forgiveness? So basically, can we make the clubs smaller Yet, better, better. I mean, faster and more, more forgiving. Gooder. So, can we take even if they're really small steps? Can we take steps that make the physical size smaller, but the performance bigger and faster? That's kind this of. A, can, I mean, this is this has been something Mizuno has talked about for for several generations. We even 
you know, hot metal, for example, has become such a big part of the Mizuno business. Like mm-hmm. massive, massive success. Yeah, I remember the Iron HMB. Not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not, the, not the first one that comes to mind necessarily when I say, hey, think of a Mizuno iron. Right. You know, it's not a hot metal that, that pops into my mind, but it's it's been a tremendous success for them. And that's one, too, where, you know, truly fits within the game improvement category. It, it absolutely Correct. belongs there. It's yeah. not... It's not like a player's iron that they're trying to stretch a little more out of. Right. And if you look at that, it's it is more compact, mm-hmm. smaller, mm-hmm. right? Thinner top lines, even a little bit less offset in some cases mm-hmm. than than most of what you find in that category. Mm-hmm. And it still holds up. And I would say I would wager above category averages for things like. You know, pick your and Mizuno right uses a core area metric. Everybody's got their, right. their own forgiveness metric, but right. under Mizuno's metric, it certainly more than holds its own against larger bladed irons. And mm-hmm. so that that's always been part of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's deliver everything you could want in a given category, right? But give you give you more than you should be able to get. Yeah, yeah, that little kind of value added piece, I think, and. Another another piece that's kind of interesting to me here too is, again, working in both directions to try and mitigate opportunity costs that there were before, right? So you think making a club any amount smaller would decrease forgiveness, but they're trying to make it slightly smaller and increase forgiveness. So same thing kind of here, like making each model more distinct. You know, we kind of talked about this, like if they were – each kind of their own Venn diagram and like back to the MP 18s, the SCs and the MBs there, you know, it was almost one, <laughs> one circle. Just a, yeah, uh, <laughs> ben- slightly, just ever so slightly offset circles. Yeah. And so now we want, they want, you know, three distinct circles with maybe a hint of overlap. So you have that, but then also they increase the bounce angle a little bit throughout the line. So they gave the irons a little bit more bounce because kind of what they're saying is, you know, if people do combo these, which they want people to do, and they're engineered, right, and designed to do that, most of the time if you combo a set, you tend to decrease loft, particularly in, like, scoring irons. So if somebody were going with the 241 MBs, and let's say they're normally a 46-degree pitching wedge or something, and they're going to bend them a degree or two strong to 44 or 45, that would decrease the bounce angle, right? So, because bounce moves the same direction as loft. So if they increase the bounce a little bit to start, that means if they do combo it, it's just, again, a little bit more of a seamless configuration or almost like they were put together meant to be bent Ooh. they might steal that one from you i hope not i kind of like that tragic for them. i can do better <laughs> so but just kind of uh, i mean again kind of this uh, forward thinking piece of um you know how can we slightly imp- improve performance not just for people that are going to buy one model but again in that combo set world which is kind of the world now so you know, I think that. Wait, what was that? What's the number of Tor Pros? What's the Titleist number? Tor Pros in combo sets? Yeah. And I want to say 60. It was more than, way more than 50. Is it? I, I want to say like two thirds, but. Okay. But. It's a, it's more than, more than half. More. 
than half comfortably. So I think that part's interesting. Um, what would you guess, Tony, if you... Because I always think this is interesting, like, to go through a fitting. Like, I would not have come out of the Titleist fitting in the clubs that I did, you know, in terms of just predicting, hey, what do I think? Like, if I had to write it down on a piece of paper. <laughs> you wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm walking out of this with a full bag of T350s and maybe a hybrid. That was, yeah. That was, that's not what you had written down on your card. So, all right. So, we're going to go into a tight, go into a Mizuno fitting, let's say, for these. What would you guess that would be an optimal fit? So, you go through the process based on their fitting philosophy, their best fitters, blah, blah, blah. What do you think that would look oh, like? Oh, God, I'm probably coming out. And based on everything that's transpired recently, I'm probably coming out with hot metals. Um, so I'm almost – I'm thinking like the 245 would be like, okay, you know, maybe maybe we can get away with this. That's uh, So of, of the Mizuno Pro line, I think – I think 245 is is likely for me. Mm-hmm. That would be my best guess. And I've been I've been intrigued by him and had you know I haven't played Mizunos in a while. I don't think I've got I don't think I've had a full set of new Mizunos in a while. But yeah, from this this would be kind of the 245. That's where I'm like most likely to land. Full lineup, maybe Hot Metal, Hot Metal Pro, mm-hmm. possibly sneak some Forge in there. I really love the JPX Tour. I think that's just. But again, that's like me saying I really love the T100S or T150 now. And Tyler's going, nope, not for you. Nope, Good no try, soup buddy. for you. Thanks for playing. Yep, love. Uh, so, thanks for being yeah. around. What about you? Where do you where do you think I, you land? Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting. I go. My first part of that answer is go back to a conversation that you and I had with Chris Fashel, who is all things Mizuno. He has some title, but he's all things uh, Mizuno and. He's saying, you know, really at a certain point in the set, Loft starts to take over in terms of creating forgiveness. Meaning, you don't often think about mishitting your lob wedge, right? In the sense of like, oh, I hit that one way off the heel and I lost all this distance, right? Stuff like that. So I say all that as kind of a caveat to, I think, the 243s. I could play a set of that, you know, say five through wedge and the new, there's a new uh, fly high that's coming out as part of this as well. That it looks good too. That I am. So that has four iron for me written all over it as an opportunity. Cause I also have a seven wood. I don't know if I told you this. I put a seven wood in the bag last like three, four weeks. Cobra Aerojet seven wood. This thing's unbelievable. It goes straight up. Uh, and it's awesome for hitting it, hitting it high. But if I don't want that, um, I, man, this Mizuno Pro, this uh, the fly high looks incredible. So I'm thinking that in a four iron, um, if I can get enough ball speed and launch out of the five in the two forty three, then I could see myself going one of two ways: either five forty three, five through wedge, or I'm sorry, 243, five through edge. And maybe just because I want to but shouldn't, if they say, hey, in terms of the forgiveness, really, maybe nine pitching wedge, eight, nine pitching wedge, 
you could do the two forty ones. They, I, I probably shouldn't, but they look. I mean, that's just it, right? I mean, I mean, you know, I sit here and I'm looking at this. You know, this is the the blue one, the iron blue you know, finish that they did. These, these are the two two ones. That's the eight iron. You know, I look at it and go, I can hit that. And you know, maybe it's the same thing. Eighty percent of the time, I, I tell could. you, what, like the so, I, I go back to the and I, I think maybe I'd do the same thing. I'd be tempted to try and sneak something like that in, and for no practical reason other than they just look good, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, but right. This is a case where on the long end, you look at those fly highs now, and you're like, oh, I could be, I could be comfortable with those. Swap out anything in the bag for a fly high, and I'll be, I'll be good because they they just look, you know, right. they're going to be bigger, but whatever. I could, right. Oof, definitely a definitely a four, and maybe even think about a five, depending on I know how everything else works out. I know. I think if I were just to go in for a blind fitting and do it, I would not be at all surprised if it's if it's uh, maybe like a four iron fly high and five through wedge in the in the two forty threes. I think that would. I mean, that would line up with kind of what I was fit for with. That's like Mizuno makes it so hard, right? Because a lot of a lot of brands, if I'm being honest, you look at you look at a lineup when it comes out, and you're like, "I'd play that one, and only that one." Right. Um, whereas this, you're like, "Ooh, I could I could play that one." <laughs> you know, if, if I had to play, if I had to, yeah. you know, and the, but wait, they're a little more forgiving. It's like, oh, could I do the nine and the pitching yeah. wedge in the? In the two four ones, just to yeah. I mean, like, we've talked yeah, about this, you know. but far and away with our readers, Mizuno is the most popular iron brand that it right. way, way, way over over indexes yeah. relative to the market as a whole. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at this and go, "Yep, yeah, that's this isn't going to change that. This is uh, no. I, these will be well received. I think they'll be well received. I mean, Mizuno talked about this how the two two five, which is now right, the two forty five is a replacement." For that, how two two five really was a huge driver in terms of their sales within the MP line. So this player's distance category, in terms of what's resonating with just the public in general, I mean that's doing phenomenally well. And I guess we should mention this too. You know, getting to certain barriers, and now we are at the two hundred dollars a club barrier. I think that's going to you know. So these are two hundred bucks a stick. So, you know, set of seven, if you go four through wedge. And I think the fly high. Well, and, yeah, and that's like, notice you said set of seven, too, because it used to be like, if I gave you an iron price, if I said, hey, these irons are nine ninety nine, Right. That was for eight of them. And yeah, now that was three like, through yeah, wedge. Uh, yeah, yeah. These are, these are whatever. Like, throw out any number. sixteen ninety nine for a seven-piece set. fifteen ninety nine seven-piece set. Right. Yeah. Right. nineteen ninety nine seven-piece set. It's, man. Yeah, so I love that. Yeah, so it's you're the new at, standard, though. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at fourteen hundred bucks for uh, a set of seven. I think the fly highs are fifty bucks more. So that is how the math works. This is two, how yeah. how that math cookie crumbles. So it's we're seeing right. Said some of these things inch up in price a little bit, but hey, like I said, it, you know, that's part of the world. It it it, uh, it is what it is. I expect these, yeah, like I said, to be well received. Here's my only frustration, Tony, and I'll, uh, I don't want to end on a downer. It's not two hundred dollars per stick. That's not the frustration. No, my frustration is. 
can't get him till next year. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a puzzler to me. And I know with Mizuno, right, they're always trying to navigate being an international slash Japanese brand. And, I get it. And make everything align. But it I is. I get it. Um, it is. Uh, it's odd. I would argue maybe not even the best for business to announce an iron in October. Because look at all this energy and excitement. And then. Right. And then it's. Come like, and then come January, you're going to have, oh, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. 47 different, uh, roughly different competitive releases piled on top of it. And in a world which, you know, I don't want to say newer is better, but certainly, you know, even, even three months newer, six months newer does give the perception of some measure of advance in technology. And you have a, an iron that will be on the shelf, but you'll be like, I feel like I heard about that. Six months ago, only be I know. Like four months ago, but it'll still be, still be real. So. I know, but at least they're calling them the two forty ones, two forty, kind of like twenty four, maybe like the year. And I just, it's like ah, oh, you get excited and this and that, and then it's, it's a tease. It's a it tease, even though tease. you can buy them through other Japanese websites or some of these things, like or whatever. This. But it's like question, really? Now I gotta wait. You got me all excited. Got me all excited. Now I gotta wait. Damn it. So that's my only bar, but hey, if it weren't something worth looking forward to, you wouldn't be excited about it. So I guess you got that as I, I'm well. getting old, man. Short term memory. Like I by January I won't be excited. I'll just be confused. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> right? So as always, follow us, people. Let us know questions, thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams. Let us know what you got. We will get to as much of it as we can. Until next time, no puts given. We out. <laughs>